0: And do you, do you fool them
1: the other way that basically something is actually true that it just seems like not true in a way? Do you have any, any examples the other way?
2: Oh, I mean, the closest we get to something like that are you know, the, the scientific theories, which they, they actually really struggle with because students are used to thinking of knowledge like black or white. Um, and you know, they use the word theory to mean that I don't really know, but you know, a scientific theory is we're really sure about this, but you know, we never get to a hundred percent. Um, they struggle, I think with, um, that proportioning, um, what we, our acceptance of something to the evidence. Um, but I don't think I present them something that's just absolutely clearly true. And I fool them that way. And I think I should.
1: Mm. i i remember one book which was kind of claiming like silly silly claims that you can do research on this and then it said that yeah you can stick a needle in your ear and think it would take away pain from your mouth and and it was really tricky and then like ah acupuncture that it actually proven and it was the book was really cleverly fooling you think that these all are non-true they are nonsense but then it kind of brought brought acupuncture there. So uh, I I was fooled and it was really well well written that it took like a few seconds to understand what the reader was was doing. I think I stole the idea from there. Um, how do you see like I think the populistic people spreading the misinformation, they they are quite clever. They they make like really clever claims. I was talking with someone who who don't really Maybe it's not the most critical thinker, and and then then she was saying that. But people are different, and these research are just average. That why would you need to follow that? Every everybody is individual, and I was like, I had to think like, oh, that, that's a tricky one. It I know that it doesn't really work that way. That the the studies take the average into account, but how would you? I think it was a really tricky argument that you 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 can use almost everywhere that yeah these studies but everybody's different right
2: yeah that everybody's different that seems to me like a way to try and avoid accepting a conclusion
1: yeah i think that's what I, that is yeah i, I think so yeah. like it,
2: it's like well that must be true for for other people, but I'm the exception to that or something.
1: Yeah, yeah. But also the studies show that people are individual. There's there's a little bit different responses to different things, at least in many things. But yeah, they, they use it in a in a clever way to to <laughs> hide hide the, the real arguments. Yeah and and I, I think this, you're, you're saying this, doing your own research, I think it's very, very interesting, interesting point. Could you, could you tell us a little bit more about that, how people, how people usually misuse the doing own research phrase?
2: Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think what a lot of people mean when they say that is they're trying to be empowered to find information and they think they're capable of it. Um and I I really struggle with this because um on the other side I suppose there's um a lot of people mocking the doing your own research because of course you can do good secondary research. And so they're they're playing on the well, you know, if you are going to do um research then you should be, you know, putting together your own study with, you know, basically doing primary. Um so you can do good secondary research. So there, there's that word is a bit ambiguous, um, but I think for most people, um, there's really a lack of intellectual humility. There's a, a misunderstanding of what one is capable of. I mean, we trust experts all the time. Like, it, so if if ten electricians all told me that I needed to get my house rewired because if I didn't, it was in danger of burning down, I would probably get my house rewired um i'm not gonna like go online and try to find evidence that my electrician is wrong or lying to me or they're all conspiring or something right it's only when scientific conclusions contradict what we want to believe that we start to do our own research but the danger is of course we live in an information environment you can go online and you can find anything to support what you want to believe but i actually have um um I have students uh, make conspiracy theories. So one of my favorite things to do in class is um, have students create misinformation. Um, in education, there's something called inoculation theory, which is that if by exposing people to bits of misinformation, um, you, they build up a resilience so that in the real world, they're able to spot it and they don't fall for it. Um, I am a big fan of active inoculation, where students create misinformation so that they can see how easy it is to to make, right? So I, I have them um um I have them right now they're they're in the middle of a discussion where they use logical fallacies to argue for why they should be getting a better grade. Right. So assume that you're failing this class because you haven't done any work and there's a reason I came up with this assignment, right? It's a critical thinking class. And I was getting all these emails from students about how, oh, my dog died. And I was so sad. And you know, you're know, you just a really bad teacher. And I think you hate me and you know, that kind of thing. And that's what they do, right? When they argue, um, they create these bad arguments. And so then they can see these bad arguments better. I have them make conspiracy theories. <clears throat> so back to the doing your own research. I have them make a conspiracy theory. It's crazy as they can possibly think of. Um, They find, um, um, so they have to tell me who did what and why, and they have to find evidence for it. So they have to make a compelling narrative and find evidence. And they're all like, professor, do I need to use good sources for my conspiracy? And I'm like, no, (laughs) right? That's the point. Use whatever sources you can possibly find. Dig into the deep, dark corners of a subreddit. I don't care just find evidence to make the case that you're trying to make right put these things together make this big pattern and you know something emerges and they see that you can find anything online to support what you want to believe doesn't make it true right so when you're doing your own research that's what you're doing you're going to google you know the government is trying to control us with vaccines by putting in you know magnetic tracers whatever um you're going to find sources that tell you that. You know, the question is: Are those reliable sources? You know, is that something that you can trust, or are you just falling for it because that's what you want to believe? And so, with doing your own research, that was a very long-winded answer way of saying: When you do your own research, you have to be careful of doing
1: that. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great idea creating misinformation I'm not sure if I'm going to publish the next one but what is your guideline the three best tips to create misinformation how do you how do you do it
2: <clears throat> Well I do it in various ways through the semester and it's all like so the conspiracy theory there's there's an example of creating misinformation or the um, the arguing for why I should get a better grade right? There's another creation. Um, I do one where um, they make an advertisement for a pseudoscience product. And so, um, you know, I've structured it in various ways. But um, so it's usually like um, the biggest supplement sellers, you know, things like male enhancement and weight loss and anti-aging, something like that. So pick uh, some kind of product. So let's say that you're going to design an advertisement for a weight loss product. Okay. So, pretend like it's going to go on social media. It's going to go on Instagram, or it's going to go on Facebook, or something like that. And on your advertisement, um, I have characteristics of pseudoscience. You know, things like using logical fallacies. Like, it has to appeal to nature. It has to appeal to tradition, right? This is a weight loss supplement, so you have to say that the ancients used this all natural method, something like that. Um. They have to, um, uh, you know, use things like a uh, foot in the door techniques, you know, so, um, um, money-back guarantee, you know, of, you know, 30-day trial, something like that. Um, They have to, you know, appeal to authority, you know, put somebody with a white lab coat on the front who's a doctor who's saying that, you know, I've tried this with my patients and here's an anecdote that shows how much weight loss somebody has, that kind of thing. So they make this advertisement. And then seriously, once you can see that formula... It's just like you can't unsee it. So by creating the misinformation, they get to spot it in real world in, in the real world.
1: Yeah, no, I I think that's a that's a great idea. For me, it was I was I was living in China and and I was reading the Chinese newspaper once a week, the English one, and and of course there's. You could say that there's a little bit of misinformation (laughs) there, but after that, I started reading all the newspapers much more critical because I saw how they twisted the story. Like For example, I was in China and there was a lot of pollution and the headline in the Chinese newspaper was the pollution in Paris. Because in Paris, there was pollution at that time, but they didn't t- say anything about the Beijing and Shanghai, but they were talking about pollution in Paris. And it was not misinformation. It was the truth. They just picked up Paris over Beijing. And and then I started much more critically thinking about like, what do our newspapers, what do they choose in this way? And I think it was really really eye-opening experience that you don't need to it doesn't need to be misinformation it just needs to be handpicked the the correct stories that kind of you can hide things when you talk about other things what's what's your thoughts on this that you don't provide misinformation but very selected information
2: yeah. I mean, that's a hallmark of propaganda. Um, and that would be something else that um, uh, I've not done with my students, but you could have them make propaganda. Um, so pick something issue, whether it's going on at the school or something local or and teach them the techniques of propaganda, things like Loaded terms, you know, highly emotional language or, um, you know, cherry picking or um, logical fallacies. Um, um, make a, a propaganda ad or um, a an article um, doesn't have to be very long. And yeah, then they can see that. The world. There's actually a game. Uh, I think it's called Get Bad News. And um, that's what the the game is, is you you win by by, uh, being the best at sharing bad news. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so another example of, of active inoculation.
0: For most sedentary behavior and physical activity researchers, collecting the research data is one of the most frustrating steps of a project especially as inefficient data collection steals too much of your precious time, causes unnecessary stress and hassle, and can easily derail progress of your project. This is why we devised a revolutionary new way to collect data. Introducing Fibian Sense Motion, the beginning of a new era. Fibion SenseMotion is a cutting-edge, next-generation system that allows you to easily and remotely collect, store, and manage data. Our solution features a tiny, waterproof device that captures the sedentary behavior and physical activity data, a mobile app for automatic uploading of the data from the device, and a cloud service for managing the data. Even better, all collected data is GDPR compliant and you have access to automatically analyzed variables of activity types and raw three-axis accelerometer data. Don't compromise on the quality of your research or the project timeframes. Discover the convenience and power behind our solution at sense.fibian.com. That is s-e-n-s.fibian.com. Fibion, created by researchers for researchers.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and if we move to this COVID thing now, I think it's uh, interesting from the critical thinking point of view that, for example, when this all started, we didn't have any scientific studies of the virus. and And usually making like... Good knowledge in science it takes years. So, how how would you say that? How do you kind of know what is true when we haven't had time to collect the scientific evidence properly?
2: Yeah, um, if I might go back to how we teach science, um, I think this is the fundamental problem here. I think um, a lot of people think that um, science is a bunch of facts. That's what they've been taught in science classes is to memorize a bunch of things that um science literacy you know most science literacy polls are things like which is smaller and a uh, electron or an atom you know um so it's it's factoids and and we get used to thinking of science in terms of we know this or we don't know this as opposed to how do we know this how does the process of science gather knowledge um the you know, putting the pieces together, you know, everything like um, scientists are always changing their minds, right? They don't know anything. That's all a consequence of people just not understanding how the process of science works. And what we're seeing is, you know, it's the process of science playing out in real time, but it's at the frontier. This was an area that we didn't really know a lot about. And so on the frontier, you get lots of contradicting studies. You get lots of scientists that disagree on things. And so, you know, the average person then just kind of looks at it and goes, well, nobody knows anything. I'm just going to side with the person who's on my team. And then you end up with a politicized pandemic, unfortunately, Um, as opposed to if my hope would be that um, people would have an understanding of what science is, it's a process. It's not what we know, it's how do we know it, um, how that works. And um, yeah, scientists are changing their mind. That's a good thing, right? We want to change our minds with evidence. Um, which type of study provides better evidence? You know, oh, and, and then I'm sorry, one more thing here is with the news, because how most people interface with science is in the news. What the news does, I mean, they cover things that are new by definition, right? They're not, you know, writing articles about, you know, 100-year-old well-established science. It's this new study today. They favor things that um, are conclusions that were unexpected or that contradicted something that we previously knew. And so in the news, right, then you start to get um, An even more unrepresentative understanding of what science is. I mean, it could still be a good article about a good study, or even about what we kind of know so far. But it's still um, not necessarily representative of what science knows and how it knows it. So, um, being a good news consumer, one has to really understand that um, what they're covering, um, what you see in your news feed, may not be good uh, representation of what it is that we actually know at that point.
1: Mm, yeah, I, I, I agree. And I, I think it shouldn't be in news like individual studies, but then you can get this kind of controversial or contradicting findings. Now now I'm in, in my phone. If there's in a news feed, there's a, this kind of clickbait. I right away banned that that news outlet of showing news to me so I have my own <laughs> own filter for that but it seems that most of them are, are doing this How how could we change this should there be some kind of responsibility of news agencies but basically they are just trying to make ends meet and more people click more their advertisement will be shown so how could we change this
2: Yeah, I mean, that's probably beyond my pay grade, um, because systemically, I think a lot of things do need to change. Um, In the United States, we have largely for-profit news, and they have to make ends meet. And so they put out what consumers will read. Um, Then you start putting on social media, and I mean they're largely unregulated and they are sorry, unregulated. Um, like I know on Facebook, I have a lot of problems on Facebook. Facebook continuously punishes me for, um, because it can't tell the difference between misinformation and education about misinformation. How are you supposed to like combat that? So where I come at it because I'm an educator and I've got, um, a, people who just need to learn to be better consumers so there needs to be systemic changes my focus is largely how can you be empowered to think through um you know understand how the algorithms are giving you information um understand the information that you're reading better um just to be empowered to make better decisions um that's not a um that is not us. The solution, I should say, um, it's like you know solving climate change by telling individual people to eat less meat and drive less. Um, we need to make bigger changes. I just I, I don't know how that happens.
1: Mm. Yeah, and and basically this podcast is is about physical activity. It's about health and this kind of themes. And you were just telling about creating misinformation and some good how to tips. Could you, could you find some trends or ways the misinformation works in relation to physical activity, health, nutrition, that are themes of this this podcast? Yeah, that's really hard because I, I don't know a lot about that area. Um,
2: I cover nutrition because a lot of um, the science, the news likes to cover is nutrition. Nutrition research is complicated. Right. It has um, um, it has issues with how studies are designed. I mean, it's not like you can give people placebo food and, you know, blind. Um, so um, what I do with students is teach them um, about the different types of studies and um, the kinds of evidence those studies provide. Um and an understanding of the limitations of that science. Um, I would imagine physical activity would be the same, but um, it would be really easy to, um, um, like if I'm thinking about an assignment idea with um, the creating misinformation, I mean, one could easily create a, a diet or something, or, um, like a a vitamin supplement. Um, and actually fad diets are great to cover as pseudoscience. I mean, things like the pH diet is an obvious, um, uh, example for students. Um, I cover pH diet. I cover, um, what other ones do I cover? Oh, the blood type diet. Um, keto, you know, cause that one tends to be done a lot. Um, so getting students to, to understand how we know something and actually testing what we do know based on the literature, how much that actually makes sense. And then if you want to make a diet, um, based on misinformation, then it's probably very easy to pull together evidence to do that evidence when I say that, right? Air quotes. Hmm
1: yeah so so you you mentioned these pH and blood type diet fat diets. why do you think those are popular are they are they difficult to falsify? are they something people want to hear? Why do you think there's certain trends or certain misinformation that's more popular than others?
2: I think in general with pseudoscience um, hope sells. um people, um, want solutions. Um, you know, in the United States, we have, um, a large portion of the population that's overweight or obese, um, and, um, people want to lose weight. Um, and so what we know about losing weight, um, is that there's not an easy thing to do, right? eat less, move more. Um, you know, it it can be more complicated than that, I suppose, but, um, the idea of there being a formula that I can follow that um, um, promises to empower me um, and gives me hope is, I think, unfortunately, as old as time, right? That's what snake oil is, is this hope in a bottle. Um, the problem is that, at least from my perspective, that bothers me the most is when they're promising that hope. Um, they're giving people a false sense of empowerment. And um, I'm trying to empower my students. One of the quotes that inspired my class is um, something like, um, the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your decisions. And the quality of your decisions is determined by the quality of your thinking. And so real empowerment requires understanding, understanding, what your brain is wanting to do, like what it wants to think, and then doing a better job of not fooling yourself. Um, but these, you know, easy answers that, you know, you pay something and follow this formula and there's, you know, somebody with a before and after picture and it's, it's giving people false hope and it's really sad. Um, it, it really bothers me. Um, it turns out that it's much easier to sell people things than it is to convince people not to buy things. And that's really frustrating because one of the reasons that I like to empower my students is that I personally am cheap, right? I don't want to spend my money on things that don't work. And, um, but people want to buy hope.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's, that's interesting that the hope is one of the main points and, and you mentioned weight loss. That's, that's quite a common problem and, and many people have tried. They have been told that you should move more and eat less, basically. And they have tried and they have failed. So basically, it's really appealing when somebody says that it's your toothpaste that's making you your fat <laughs> or or something like this. So do, do you think it's because they have heard kind of the valid points, but they have failed? They have done something wrong. It didn't work for them. Or they couldn't keep it up. That then, this kind of different beliefs emerge and and get popular.
2: I mean, weight loss is um, it can be a lifelong struggle, and so yeah. I mean, you try something and it doesn't work, and then then you think it's your fault, right? You blame yourself, um, and then somebody offers something else, and so someone that I love very much is constantly going through this, and she's constantly sending me. Oh, Melanie, I'm on this keto group on Facebook, and look at all these people who've lost weight using keto, or you know, this new supplement, um, or this new superfood, or you know, and there's always something new that might be the new solution because you know the the things that they've tried before haven't necessarily um, given them the answers that they need to have. Yeah,
1: yeah. This this has been very very interesting discussion i think really good clever components in your way of way of teaching do you have anything you would like to add into this discussion
2: oh um i would like to also reiterate the use of pseudoscience in teaching science um a lot of people believe various pseudoscience beliefs um And uh, even people with science degrees have pseudoscience beliefs. Um, A lot of them are really interesting and they're fun. Uh, And um, so Carl Sagan, I'm going to paraphrase, but um, he says something to the effect of If we teach people only the findings of science, only the findings of science, without communicating the method we use to arrive at that, then how is anyone to tell the difference between science and pseudoscience?
1: That's a good point. Yeah.
2: So I I took him literally, like I use pseudoscience in class and it it does, it works because if you show students in a science class pseudoscience and compare it with science, then they start to see, Oh, that method was not reliable. Why would people think that Hmm. as opposed to here's what we know from the process of science. Um, so huge fan of using, um, process, uh, sorry, pseudoscience to teach the process of science. And fool your students.
1: Yeah, that's. A, I think that's a good final <laughs> remark. Fool your students for a, for a good reason. Uh, thank you, Melanie. This has been a really interesting discussion. So thanks for taking time for this this podcast.
2: Well, thank you for having me on. It's been a lot of fun.
1: Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Research Podcast.